With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm a traveling man. Made a lot of and welcome to the 458th episode of Travelitch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my friend and co-host, Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. And this is the 11th season of Travelitch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travelitch Radio. And tonight, we're pleased to welcome to Travelitch Radio, Jeff Stumm, director of The Great Race, not the movie, but a real-life vintage car race that has been going strong now for four decades. Welcome, Jeff, to Travelitch Radio. Well, thanks, Dan and Mary Ellen. I'm glad to be here. Okay, well, what is the great race, and where and when does the 2022 edition start? Well, the great race is an old car race across the country each year, and every year is a different route. It started in 1983. It was the dream of a man named Tom McRae. And we just keep carrying on this, this tradition every year. And the route this year is from Warwick, Rhode Island, to Fargo, North Dakota. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily coast to coast, but it is. Uh, we do a lot of themed routes. And uh, it is based on the 1960s. 65 movie called The Great Race, starring Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. In fact, uh, much like Mel Brooks would talk about the movie The Producers being a movie about a play about a movie, The Great Race is a race about a movie about a race. Because in 1908, the original Great Race was from New York to Paris. So we we pay homage to the movie and to the original 1908 Great Race each year. Well, how many people will enter and how many cars will be involved? Well, we uh, normally we limit it to 120 vehicles because it's not a speed race. It's actually a time-speed-distance rally. And unlike or like a race, uh, a speed race, there are winners and losers. And there is prize money. But the prize money goes to the team that does it the most accurately, the one who drives the exact speed we tell them to do to make the turns exactly how we tell them to make them, to stop the stop signs exactly for the same amount of time that we tell them to. And the winning team gets $50,000 out of a $160,000 total purse. 
So, and do racers have to pay an entry fee in order to participate? Yes, I mean there's a, there's a, there's a uh, entry fee of uh, for private entries. Uh, you can enter as a corporate team as well. And you have a dozen or so sponsors. Who are they, and are ones putting up the prize money? You know, the the entry fees and the sponsor uh, money goes towards the uh, to, to to pay all of the fees. Um, or the the winnings for the teams, so uh, you know there's nothing no so specific sponsor that designated to pay the the winning uh, the winning money. But we have some great sponsors. Hemings Motor News is is our title sponsor for over ten years. Uh, mm. Haggerty Classic Car Insurance, Coker Tire, the uh, largest uh, provider of uh, classic tires in the world. So we have some some really good sponsors, and we have a a new uh, transportation, auto transportation company from New Jersey, uh, McAllister's. Oh, okay. That's great. Well, we are we really appreciate them. We're talking to Jeff Stum, director of The Great Race. Jeff, we understand that all the edited cars must be of pre-World War vintage, World War II vintage, actually. Does that mean they can't use high-speed interstate highways to compete? Yes, this is all back roads, and I mean rural back roads. And the race started in 1983. It was all pre-war cars, what we call in the hobby pre-war cars, meaning before World War II. We have Mm -hmm. uh, loosened those up a little bit uh, over the last decade or so to uh, accept any car 1974 and older. About half of the cars are pre-war and half the cars are post-war, but they compete. Every car does the exact same route, one minute apart. They draw numbers, and so there's two hours of this you know, train of old cars moving throughout the countryside. And so they're doing the same route, but if you're in the first car and I'm in the last car, you're two hours. You're doing everything two hours ahead of me. Uh, so mm-hmm. we have secret checkpoints along the way. So we, you have, they have to go exactly the way we tell them and try to do is the, the speeds and, and make all the maneuvers uh, how we tell them to do. And for every year older your car is, from 1974, you get a percentage off of your score. So the incentive is to bring a pre-war car, and out of the uh, – this would be the 40th uh, year of the, the event. Only one time has a post-war car won the event. Wow. Wow. Well, how and when did the race get started, and how did you get involved in it? Well, I, got, I saw the race for the first time on TV back in 1987 when ESPN was just getting started and they were running uh, – Australian rules football and all these kind of wacky things to fill time. And my job, I worked to 1 a.m. and I got off and I don't know about 2 a.m. This this interesting show came on, and it was a great race. And it was from California to 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 New York that particular year, and it was it was it was the highlight show, and it was very interesting. And uh, I just I just got very interested in it, 
and uh, um, uh, saw the event uh, for the first time uh, the year after that. And by 1992, I was involved in helping put on a, a stop. Uh, and then by 1994, I competed for the first time. And then uh, in 2010, under a change of ownership, uh, they brought me in to run run the event. Do you have another job, or do you handle great race activities year-round? No, this is pretty much it. We don't have a, a very large staff. Um, I, I use a lot of volunteers um, uh, during the event uh, for two weeks. I have almost 50 people take two weeks of vacation to come work for me uh, each each summer. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, pretty much everything. Uh, we use uh, over 3,000 hotel room nights uh, during the event. Um, you know, it's 2,300 miles. We have to measure the course. We measure it four times uh, because it is a competition. Uh, we like to call it the most unique event in all of motorsports because we bring these cars and we bring them to downtown um, cities. Uh, uh, our, our niche markets are not the large Chicago's and Philadelphia's of the world, but the Madonna, Ohio's and Erie, Pennsylvania's and Binghamton, New York's of the world. Mm. Now, when the great race was first staged, didn't racers terminate in Indianapolis during the week as the Indianapolis 500? Was that done they deliberately? Did. They did. <laughs> they did. Uh, the uh, the uh, that just shows you the uh, the P.T. Barnum-like uh, <laughs> attitude of, of the founder of the event, Tom McRae. Um, he he decided uh, he wanted to finish the event in Indianapolis um, the week of the Indy 500, um, and he just did it. And he asked, you know, the race was already scheduled, and then he kind of would uh, put things together after the fact, and he. Not only not only was Tony Curtis the Grand Marshal of the oh. very first race in 1983, who he didn't know, uh, but he <laughs> talked to him into coming to Knott's Berry Farm in California where the event started. He also got all of the cars that fit, made it to Indianapolis got to do a parade lap around uh, the, the, the speedway there in, in Indianapolis. Um, just, a, just a phenomenal thing to pull off. Oh, um, you're not kidding. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and, and through the years, we've been back in, uh, multiple times to Indianapolis and gotten to do laps around the track. Um, in 2003, we finished um, at the um, uh, Daytona International Motor Speedway uh, ah. uh, as the uh, just an hour before the um, – uh, the, what used to be called the Firecracker 400 on the 4th mm-hmm. of July uh, as part of the and, the, and the finish line of the race that year was the finish line at the Daytona uh, Speedway. Oh, that's fantastic. We're talking to Jeff Stum, director of The Great Race. Jeff, are the routes of The Great Race always east to west or west to east? Have you ever gone north to south or even across the borders of other countries? Uh, absolutely, all of the above. We uh, 
When when the race started, it was uh, that first year, as we've mentioned, it was the Knott's Berry Farm to Indianapolis and, uh, in seven days, and that's quite a haul in these old cars to go that far in seven mm-hmm. days. Um, after that, it actually expanded to two weeks and was a coast-to-coast event for more than 20 years, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, to Huntington Beach, California, uh, Los Angeles to New York, that kind of thing. Um we did Tacoma, Washington, to Norfolk, Virginia. Just that was very common. Uh, after uh, the uh, change of ownership in 2010, uh, we we kind of honed in on these themed routes. So they're nine days. It runs about 2,300 miles, and we call them themed routes. So through the years uh, we've done, through the last uh, dozen years, we've done. Um, we circled the Great Lakes. Uh, we mm-hmm. did the Mississippi River from from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, down to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, we did uh, Maine to Florida, which was in 2014, one of my personal favorite uh, mm. events. Um, we've done uh, Route 66 uh, from uh, uh, Illinois to Santa Monica, California, and, and actually finished on the Santa Monica Pier over the Pacific Ocean with the cars on the pier. Um, We've done the Lincoln Highway from San Rafael, Mm. California to to Illinois. We didn't do the complete uh, all the way to uh, Pennsylvania, but uh, we we got it uh, finished in, in Illinois, and we took a side side uh, trip to um, Mount Rushmore through uh, South Dakota. That was just incredible. Um, In 2018, we did uh, Buffalo, New York to Halifax, Nova Scotia and finished in oh boy, was it ever. Uh, And we finished in Halifax on Canada Day, which is July 1. And uh, we were part of their Canada Day celebrations, and we were voted a top ten event in all of Nova Scotia in 2018. Oh, wow! Uh, of any of any event. <laughs> and and um, in, in 2019, we did Riverside, California to Tacoma, Washington. Went up through uh, uh, California. Uh, did the where you drive through the redwood trees and. And I mean, literally, where they cut it, one of the trees is called the chandelier tree, and it's cut out, and you drive your car through the tree. Yeah. Um, it it just just an amazing place. We went to, and we were at uh, Crater Lake. On and this was late June of 2019, and we were at Crater Lake. It was 31 degrees and snowing. Oh. Yeah, yeah it was, but it was it was fabulous. I mean, just fabulous. And as we left Crater Lake, you know, the the snow banks were still twenty feet high. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, we went up through um, Oregon to Mount Hood, um, and and finished in uh, Tacoma, Washington, at the um, it's called America's Car Museum. Uh, uh, it's just an amazing. An amazing place uh, there in Tacoma, next right next to the T- Tacoma Dome. Mm. Who chooses the routes, Jeff? I do. I do. I've, uh, I'll decide on what the start and finish city are going to be, and we have a kind of a criteria for that distance. 
we like to travel as many states as we can. We'll be doing 10 states this year. Um, and we then I go through and do the overnights because, again, we have a distance uh, that we don't want to. We try to do about 250 miles a day, which in a 100-year-old car is quite a task. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and we do we'll do some we do competition in the morning and we get give them a break for lunch for an hour and then we do some competition in the afternoon. So if you're the first car out, we try to have that car leave at eight, get to lunch at noon, leave the lunch at noon or at one, and and get to the the overnight stop at um, at five. And then we have a promotion at every uh, lunch and every overnight stop. We'll have a promotion. Uh, we draw crowds anywhere from you know uh, 1,500 to a, a small uh, small rural setting to um, you know we've had multiple stops last year. We had five stops last year that had over 10,000 people. Wow! Now, with the Great Race billed as a family event, are there family teams like husband and wife teams involved? Yes, about 30% are husband and wife teams. Um, they do very well. I did it with my wife for a number of years. Uh, they do, do very well. Um, the the rest, uh, you know, about half the teams are either father-son, grandfather-grandson, or brothers. That's a very, mm-hmm. those are a very common uh, combination. Um, and then, of course, there's about uh, 25% of the teams are just two buddies. And it <laughs> ranges from everything from um, it's been quite a few years ago, more than a decade ago. But we had these two, two Army buddies that hadn't seen each other since the 50s. Wow. And one of them called one of them up one day and says, hey, um, let's go do this uh, old car race. <laughs> and they got an uh, they got an old military jeep, oh, and cool. and they did it, and it was just a, it's just a really neat thing. Oh, so I guess he never cool. had Thelma and Louise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have we have uh, uh, last year we had a mother and daughter team that's coming back. Um, mm. It's not a whole lot of all female teams, but there there are some occasionally. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Are there age limits on the drivers? And if not, who are the youngest and who are the oldest participants this year? No, there's no limits. I mean, uh, you have to be 16, obviously, to be to be a driver. Um, mm-hmm. And um, there's no age limit for a navigator in. 2006, a 13-year-old navigator and his grandfather won the race. Um, so it's it's very uh, uh, you know that young people do very very well at this because it is uh, you you do a lot of the uh, maneuvers with stopwatches and they're not scared of of something to them a, a stopwatch is not high tech. To a seventy-year-old retired uh, uh, banker, <laughs> a stopwatch—they get freaked out by the stopwatch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's a, young people do very, very well at this. And uh, four years ago, we had a a two sisters, 
one had just turned 16, and her uh, younger sister was 14. Uh-huh. And they entered the race for the for the first time. Now, their their parents had been involved in the race for many, many years. In fact, even their grandfather had been involved in the race way back. So they kind of grew up around the event. But as soon as they turned six, she turned, the oldest one turned 16, uh, they got in the race. Mm. Last year, uh, from San, the race was from San Antonio, Texas to Greenville, South Carolina. And not the way you would think if you're looking at a map. We went up through Texas, north to uh, Oklahoma, and then over to Missouri, and then Kentucky, and then uh, the Virginias, and the, then the, the North Carolina, South Carolina. So, um, mm. when we got to the finish line in Greenville, South Carolina, those sisters, aged twenty and eighteen, won fifty thousand dollars as the overall winners of the race. Woo! Wow! And I. In a 1932 Ford. Oh, cool! Oh my God! How's that? How's that for a, a great travel experience? That's fantastic. We're talking to Jeff Stum, director of the Great Race. Jeff, would you say camaraderie is the best part of the Great Race? After all, everyone involved is a race car fan, as a participant, spectator, or both. Yes, absolutely. I tell people that call up for the first time, they say, hey, I want to try this event, or or they ask questions about it. Should I do this? And I say, look, there's 500 like-minded people in this event, Mm -hmm. and they're they're from all over the world. We have teams from Japan, Germany, England, France, Australia, Canada, and all over the United States. But they're all like-minded. It's Mm -hmm. funny to have the have the Germans come in with a heavy accent, you know, but everything boils down to the cars. Mm-hmm. The Japanese just love automobiles, and they love the great race. They've had as many as 18s in the in the great race. Uh, they've gotten locked out by COVID the last couple of years, but just love it. And it is. And 70% of the people in the race each year have done it at least one time before. So they come back because of that. The very family atmosphere, uh, the you know, they end up spending two weeks with these people. And it's, sure. you know, I've had people tell me, look, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a sister in Tacoma, and and I don't see her that much. You know, <laughs> they they love coming and spending time with like-minded people, and it is a competition, but it's not cutthroat. Everybody mm-hmm. helps each other to. Uh, you know, if somebody has trouble, they may be ahead of you in the standings, uh, but you go and help them out anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's and do racers train, train for the event? Is it the vintage car equivalent of baseball spring training, or do they literally put their lives on hold? There, there's not much training other than there are a couple of what we call regional events that are days um during the year you know like in the fall there might be one and in the spring there's one and uh you can go uh especially in you know in the spring and do an event for, and spend two and a half days and kind of practice if you will um to hone your skills if you if you're if you're new at it it's a great way to learn how to do it 
And if you've been doing it a long time and you're really trying to shave some time off your score, which that's the whole idea, the lowest score wins, so you're kind of trying to get the lowest score because you, you get to the checkpoints at the exact time, you're, you get you get a perfect score. If you're one second late, you get a one. If you're five seconds early, you get a five. And it's all totaled up. And then at the end of the day, the lowest score wins. So you want to be you want to keep practicing to get better and better and better at it all the time. Like legendary race car drivers Bobby Unser and Richard Petty, do these drivers become celebrities who actually sign autographs? You know they do. They do. We have programs that we sell at all the, the promoted stops, and especially the kids, they'll get the, the program, and they'll go and ask all the drivers to come up because they'll identify the car. You know, they'll oh, see yeah. a car and say, oh, that's a 57 Chevy, or that's a 1929 Ford Model A, and they'll see it when it comes in, and they, so they'll go up and flip to the right page, and they'll hand them the, the pen and have them, have them sign their name. Uh, so it's, 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 it's very cool. And you mentioned Bobby Unser. Uh, Al Unser was part of the event uh, in 2016 oh. when uh, he hosted the great race at his museum in uh, Albuquerque, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, mm-hmm. of course, unfortunately, he just passed away uh, very recently. Yeah. Jeff, if Mary Ellen or I wanted to enter the great race or at least sponsor a car, how would we do it? Well, entering is easy. We we have a waiting list, so you get on the waiting list, and each spring, in fact, this just happened in the last couple of weeks, we open it up for a two-week window for everybody on the waiting list. And we usually get about 40 to 44, 45 uh, uh, what we call rookie teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, these people have entered, they paid their deposit, you know, the, the last week for a race that's still more than a year, year away. Um, but they have spots guaranteed, and then we ended up taking 41 um, uh, rookie teams for 2023. Uh, so all you have to do is pay your entry fee and have a car that's 1974 or over. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as if you want a sponsor, you can talk to me. <laughs> We're always looking for good sponsors. Well, there are a couple of obvious questions I want to stick in here real quick. Uh, number one, do you have cars that break down? And number two, what do you do about weather problems? Well, one of the most popular things on the race, or that's the, the weather question is the number one question we get on the race. And most of the people answer it this way, you get wet. <laughs> if it rains, you get wet. So the, it is a rain or shine uh, event. We have a uh, number of people that are on our what we call our sweep staff and they pick up any car that breaks down so we we do not leave any cars behind okay we're talking with jeff stum director of the great race only have a couple of minutes to go so jeff are you a participant or a spectator and were you a fan of automobile racing before you became involved in the great race Oh, always been a fan of, uh, of racing since I was little, uh, and I love I love old cars and I love travel. And you, this this event puts all that together. So it's yeah, it's a it's a great event. But no, I, I was a participant at one time, 
but when I became the director about a dozen years ago, I had to, to stop uh, stop participating because I know where all the checkpoints are and I know what all the true times are and I'd win every time. <laughs> uh, so do all cars have to follow the same route or can they try shortcuts that might be suggested by Waze? No, no, it's all following the same the same uh, route. We give them the instructions and it's now you can go another way but if you do you you're going to miss a checkpoint and you're not going to be on time so the only way to do it right is to what we call stay on course and stay on time mm-hmm. we're talking to jeff stum director of the great race and unfortunately we're out of time so our guest tonight has been jeff stum director of the great race a vintage arts in warwick rhode island next month thank you jeff for being our guest on travel with radio and good luck with the event thank you both i enjoyed it mm-hmm and, and if that's you don't it have for it. this edition of Travel with Radio. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, same writers, same announcers. We'll travel to the Sunshine State and learn all about Martin County on the Atlantic Coast with Ian Centrone. Now this is Dan Schlossberg along with my beautiful and talented co-host, Mariella Nugent-Lee, saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.